I'd like to call to order the special formal meeting of the Iowa City City Council for April 17th, 2018. Roll call, please. Botchway? Yes, here. Picking, or I'm sorry, I don't have my list. Cole. <laughs> Not here. Not here. Cole. Here. Uh, Mims. Here. Taylor. Here. Thomas. Here. Sully. Yeah. Throgmorton. Here. Item two, appeal of Historic Preservation Commission decision. Uh, deciding the appeal to the City Council of the decision of the Historic Preservation Commission denying a certificate of appropriateness to apply aluminum siding at 318 North Gilbert Street in the North Side Historic District. We have to follow uh, specific procedures in this, which Eleanor has laid out for us, uh, and is, which is part of the formal meeting agenda packet. We'll do our best to follow those procedures, and Eleanor, when we do, if we slide off course in terms of following those procedures, please alert us. Thank you. So I want to make a suggestion to the council to see if you agree. Uh, the suggestion is that we allocate not more than 30 minutes per party to present their material, whatever it is they want to tell us, and then allocate ourselves another 30 minutes to discuss what we think we need to do. Uh, is that agreeable with the parties? And is it agreeable with the council? Yeah, okay, so could somebody help time this? We should uh, just reflect that the parties indicated the, the oh. agreement with that. Right, thank you. Uh, so can somebody help me keep track of this? All right, good deal, thank you. So I think we should begin with Genoey Swain, right, with the Historic Preservation Commission. Hi, Genoey. Hello, everyone. Hope you got outside today. It's actually nice and sunny. <laughs> I'm Jenilee Swain, the chair of the Historic Preservation Commission. Um, thank you all for um, taking this time to um, listen to this appeal. Um, and I actually am going to defer for the first part to Jessica Bristow, who is the Historic Preservation Planner for the, for the city. Um, she's going to walk you through uh, what has happened from the initial contact with her, and then I will pick up when um, it came to the full Historic Preservation Commission. Thank you. Okay. Hi, Jessica. Hi, I'm Jessica Bristow, Historic Preservation Planner and staff member for the commission. Uh, this project first came to uh, staff, myself. Um, uh, pardon me, Jessica. Did I formally open the public hearing? I don't think you did. Yeah, so uh, I'm going to open the public hearing and uh, acknowledge that General Swaim spoke briefly uh, right prior to this, but it should be accounted as part of the public hearing. Thank you. Okay. Um, so as I began, um, the project first came to uh, staff when a uh, rental inspector told staff that they would be receiving a call about 318 North Gilbert because it needed painting. And this was about mid-September in 2017. Later, staff found out that it had been cited for needing painting back in November of 2016. Uh, the deadline for the work had passed when the rental inspector told us about it. On September 26, staff had voicemails from both the owner 
and a siding salesperson um, and staff called the owner discussing the process for review including uh, visiting the property and uh, putting in an application for historic review. Um, the owner had mentioned vinyl replacement siding and, um, and also the fact that there was a siding salesperson. Um, I talked to them about the fact that because it's in a historic district, painting any existing uh, potentially original siding would be the preferred thing. And um, the owner did discuss uh, the difficulty in finding a painter who would be able to work with the paint on the house because it was uh, potentially had lead in it. And um, staff, myself, followed up with an email that included both the application for his historic review and a list of at least 10 paint contractors who can and will work with lead paint. On uh, September 27th, the next day, I talked to the siding salesperson. I reiterated the process that we need to review the property on site and look at what the uh, condition of the siding is, that uh, application for review needed to be put in, um, basically talking to them about the fact that we needed to do a formal review and that all of our approvals are written approvals. Uh, I was given the impression um, that the existing siding may be masonite, which is a replacement siding that's used fairly frequently and deteriorates rather quickly when compared to something like cedar or redwood, typical uh, lap siding. Because of the fact that that could be the case, we did discuss what appropriate replacement materials could be possible, again reiterating the fact that we needed to review the siding uh, before approval could be given. At that time when we discussed any appropriate materials, we talked about the fact that uh, it would be a smooth siding that would be approvable, not something with fake wood grain that vinyl typically has. So we discussed the idea of aluminum siding. Again, no formal approval was given. No application for review had been submitted at this time. Um, we did discuss this as it, what would be appropriate if replacement was warranted. Um, because it was listed as non-historic, um, a smooth aluminum siding could be considered. And I also told them that I would visit that day. This is uh, 318 Gilbert Street on September 27th. Um, can you maybe dim the lights? And this is what we saw. There was a, quite a bit of brush uh, along the alley. There's an alley on the right side of the property there. Um, as you can see, this is the south side of the house, also facing the alley. And in that uh, bump out part with a gable, there's peeling paint. When I look at this on site, I see peeling paint. I see some of the wood showing. It was very evident that there was wood grain, which means it's not masonite. It was then either cedar or redwood. And because the wood grain is kind of gray, it was obvious that it needed to be prepped properly before painting. All of the paint would need to be stripped off. The grayness needed to be sanded off. 
the correct moisture content needed to be checked. It needed to be primed with an oil-based primer and then painted. And um, after I visited the house on September 27th, this is just a back view of the house at that time so that you can see it, I then turned around and immediately emailed the owner, since they were the responsible party, and told them that the siding was in good condition and should be painted. Confirmed that the painters on the list would be able to deal with the lead paint, and also talked to them about the appropriate preparation and techniques for painting so that when they talked to painting contractors, they could be informed about the process. Um, I also talked to them about the fact that the stone in the uh, front entry should not be painted over. It would need to be uh, remain uh, uncovered. And um, let's see. Oh, and then I said that uh, siding replacement was not warranted because of the relatively good condition of the siding. The only place where I really found any rot or anything was. Um, well, I don't know if this mouse works. Oops. Um, up near the gutter on that, you can see just a little bit of deterioration. And that was about all I saw for deterioration on this house. And that would be very typical. And that's a, a small piece of wood that could be replaced. On September 28th, then, I also talked to the siding salesperson and told them the same thing that I told the owner. And the salesperson told me that the siding had been ordered. I told them that no approval had been given for the project. And in fact, no application had been submitted seeking approval. And I told them that the siding was in good condition, so it should just be painted. Um, I received several phone calls, um, including a phone call on October 3rd, again, with the siding salesperson that was much like before, again, telling them that the siding was in good condition and needed to be painted and replacement was not warranted. On October 12th, there was an email from the siding salesperson to her supervisors copying um, myself and Bob Micklow, who she had also talked to in the interim. And uh, basically, it was uh, explaining why she had lost a siding sale. And it also explained that the owner had originally contracted for vinyl siding back on September 1st, long before they had ever talked to any of us. Um, I responded basically just to clarify a few uh, points in the email that I thought were incorrect. On October 20th, finally, an application for siding replacement was submitted. I replied to them that since the I uh, could not recommend replacement because the siding was in good condition, that we would then uh, put this before the commission for review. Uh, basically, all properties in a historic district need to be reviewed when it comes down to siding. Um, there's, uh, with this property, here's a, a few more photos. Uh, right before the meeting, uh, I went back and on November 2nd, I took another photo and it showed that somebody had tried to go over the, the peeling paint area on that bump out and, and put basically a, a a thin coat, it was probably either a primer or a paint coat over it so that at least the peeling paint didn't show. That was not the proper technique, so that would not last. But uh, there was an attempt to, to uh, remediate the problem a little bit. 
Um, this property, as you can see from the star, is in the very bottom part of the Northside Historic District. At the time that the district was created and that this property was surveyed, it was considered non-historic. For historic preservation, historic is at least 50 years old. Once a property reaches that 50-year threshold, it can be considered historic. For this district, we have a, a, a group of houses that are basically date from about 1860 to uh, the 1930s as far as the properties that contribute to the district, that all go towards making the district what it is. When we look at whether a property is historic or not, um, once it's 50 years old, then we also determine is it contributing to the district or is it not contributing to the district. If it was built outside of this regular period of design, it would be considered non-contributing. When I wrote the staff report to the commission about this property, I also discussed that because this property, while it was non-historic in the district, could be considered historic now. We don't know if it would be considered contributing or non-contributing. That's something that would need to happen when the whole district was evaluated. It is historic. That is kind of the point. But when we presented it to the commission, we presented it as it was non-historic. A non-historic property in a historic district can have a specific exception granted towards it. What happens in that case is the commission reviews it to see if it has any historic character that could be considered worthy of preservation. While I was looking at this property, I see a house that hits all, this is taken just the other day, so all of the brush has been removed, all the paint has been touched up. It's still not a, a good finish paint job with proper prepping, but it, it looks all white and, and cleaned up right now. Um, this house meets all of the key characteristics that would show it to us as a mid-century modern ranch house. It has a broad, low, one-story shape. It has a low-pitch roof without any dormers. It has the low, or the, the large picture window in the stone area. The, it's asymmetrical, um, meaning it's not uh, balanced and e equal on both sides. It's built low to the ground. The front entry of, is off-centered and sheltered under that main roof and recessed into the L. That's one of the specific ranch types. And the windows, you can't really see them in this picture, but it has a top and bottom sash, and they're divided horizontally just once in each sash. And that's also very typical of a ranch house. And it also has shutters only on the front. When I I look at this house, it has all of its original um, storm windows, windows, siding. Nothing seems to have been changed on this house. So it had all of the historic characteristics of a ranch house. That is what the commission then was charged with reviewing. Does it have any of these characteristics that make it worthy of preservation? And at that point, they had determined that it did. And um, that's where Jenna Lee comes in. Thank you. 
Thank you. So um, the commission uh, reviewed this application November 9th at its regular monthly meeting. Uh, the staff presented the report and showed exterior photos of the property and all this is in your packet. The staff report addressed five pertinent issues. The age and architectural style of the house. Every report always begins with that. Its historic or non-historic status in the district. Likewise, its contributing or non-contributing status. When exceptions to guidelines are allowed or disallowed and the condition of the existing siding. A note, siding here means the cladding of the house. It's not a word we often think of in uh, earlier houses, but in this case, the siding is um, probably redwood or um, cedar, um, what, what many of our older houses are, of course. Uh, and siding is one of the defining characteristics of a historic district and therefore protected by the guidelines. So in brief, the staff's detailed descriptions and photos from the site visit showed this 1958 house to be an intact representation of a typical mid-century modern ranch style. Though the house is modest, it retains its original form, details, and materials. When the neighborhood survey was completed in 1998, this 1958 house was classified as non-historic because it was not yet 50 years old, the threshold. Note, as Jessica said, the house has since passed that threshold and can now be considered historic. I should also note there's growing interest in mid-century modern ranch-style houses, especially among the youngest population of home seekers. In fact, last year, the Parade of Homes by Friends of Historic Preservation featured mid-century homes. In other words, what was not yet thought of as significant in 1998 is now drawing great interest and protection. The house, furthermore, is considered non-contributing because the year it was built, 1958, lies, lies outside the period of significance for the district. It's from a different era. Nevertheless, non-contributing and non-historic properties are not exempt from pre preservation guidelines. Applications for siting replacement in historic district require a permit and review. Exceptions can exist for non-historic houses. Applications for exceptions are reviewed on a case-by-case -case basis. The staff report and photos show that the original cedar or redwood lap siding was in good condition except some minimal deterioration around the gutters where rot is often expected. They showed, it showed that the wood siding only needed proper preparation and a new paint job. The commission carefully analyzed the staff's findings, including the photographic evidence, asked questions of the applicant and staff, and then adhered to the guidelines. A, the siding is not deteriorated beyond repair. Therefore, by the guidelines, there are no grounds for replacing it. B, the house is worthy of preservation as a good example of mid-century modern ranch and is considered historic. It is over 50 years. Therefore, no exception should be allowed. The commission voted unanimously to deny the application. I believe the record shows that the commission followed the guidelines and did not act in an arbitrary or capricious manner. Thank you. Y'all finished right now, right? Okay. Uh, it would be appropriate for us to ask questions, I believe, of, of uh, the presenters, uh, Jenna Lee and Jessica. 
you're supposed to follow certain guidelines. I heard General Lee say right there at the end that you did follow the guidelines um, published in the Iowa, His Iowa City Historic Preservation Handbook, mm -hmm. uh, which are based on the Secretary of Interior's uh, uh, standards for rehabilitation and yes. other things, right? Okay, and yeah, all right. So uh, would anybody on the com uh, our council like to ask Jessica or generally any questions? There, there were a couple, both of you said that the, the structure can be considered historic. Does that mean that it has historic status? Is that? There has been, uh, there's been no official <coughs> review of this district to determine if all of the non-historic properties in the district are now historic. When we look at it individually, we would consider that yes, it's historic because it, it is 50 years old. Technically, we would also look at the fact that it actually represents a known architectural style in that as well. Mm -hmm. It is assumed that at some point when the commission is not obligated with other concerns that they will actually go through each of the districts and look at the non-contributing and non-historic properties and review them to see if they still are non-historic or non-contributing. And at that point, this house would definitely become historic, and then it would be reviewed whether or not it would be contributing or non-contributing. And that would depend on whether or not the uh, post-war infill was considered a contributing part of the district, which in this instance, it probably could be. It is something that was talked about in the original uh, review of the district, that there was this kind of infill that was happening. So it could become contributing even to the district. But currently, we would look at this house individually as um, historic. Just to pin down a couple facts uh, yeah. to get them on the record. Do, do I understand correctly? Huh? I just pushed a button here and it rose a little bit. <laughs> I didn't know well, it did there's that. There's another button. You, you can rise up too. Uh, um, do I understand correctly that the Department of Interior's guidelines and the city's historic preservation manual basically reject covering original siding with, quote, synthetic siding and that uh, they, those, the manual and the guidelines define aluminum as synthetic? Yeah, I, I, it, it was something that came up in our, our commission meeting that aluminum is on the periodic table, so how could it be in synthetic? But both the Secretary of the Interior and our guidelines consider asbestos, aluminum, vinyl, or um, asphalt fake brick-looking siding as synthetic siding, and it is um, recommended in our guidelines, guidelines to actually remove that type of siding to any historic property and not apply it because while it may last longer than a wood siding, it will deteriorate, it may need replacing, and it also tends to trap moisture and it can lead to the deterioration of any historic siding that's underneath. Also applying it can mean that you need to cut back trim and other things so that the historic material can be damaged as well when it's applied. 
And again, these guidelines apply whether it's contributing or non-contributing. Is that true? Correct. The guidelines apply to every property in a district or a local landmark. It's just that there are some exceptions that are available for properties that are non-contributing or non-historic. And that's why we talked about the idea of, of um, the possibility of putting some uh, aluminum siding on this house, because there is an exception for non-historic properties in a historic district. There is not an exception for that for non-contributing properties in a historic district. So if this had property had been reviewed and determined just to be non-contributing, that exception wouldn't apply at all either. I, for one, will admit that I got confused in reading the written material uh, about uh, whether the structure is historic or non-historic, and does the distinction make a difference? And uh, I, I, I couldn't fully track uh, the, the written text in the, uh, the, the denial of the application, the, I mean the Commission's formal denial of the application, relative to uh, the statement that generally provided us in writing. Uh, and the uh, the minutes of the commission's meeting, I'll put that weight on myself largely, you know. But I, I will admit that I've had had trouble tracking uh, the distinction and whether the distinction makes a difference. So, can can you please restate as clearly and slowly as you can, precisely what? Um, how the commission defined this house and how that definition played into the decision the commission finally made. I admit that the guidelines sometimes are uh, confusing because they involve uh, legal language and, and that's why I'm here to help people um, wade through um, what they mean. Um, when the commission was determining uh, whether or not to approve the siding, um, they talked about the house and whether, it not, whether or not it had any redeeming historical character that was worthy of preservation. Whether or not the house is historic, it is whether or not it has some characteristic to be preserved that was determined by the commission. When it is found that while it might be modest, it is very characteristic of a mid-century ranch house, they determined that that meant that it then was worthy of preservation and denied the application of siding. The question of whether or not it is historic or non-historic is only about whether or not they can apply the exception at all. Since we discussed the exception, and the exception is only for non-historic properties, we went with the fact that on the map and in the guidelines, it is listed as non-historic. So we applied the exception. We didn't go through the formal process of deciding that it is historic because then the exception wouldn't have been allowed at all. Right. That, that was my concern yeah. and question, was it mm -hmm. before I'd read the minutes of the meetings that it seemed straight away there was a, a trigger here in that it had 
passed the 50-year threshold and therefore was historic, as I understood it. And historic structures in an historic district are not, do not qualify for an exception. I think that there would have been a greater concern with this process if we had just decided, oh, it's historic, so we can't do the, the exception at all, and just discounted that without any formal review of its historic quality at all. Since we did not do that, and we went ahead and allowed the exception to be discussed and reviewed by the commission, I think that shows that we followed the guidelines even more closely than uh, we would if we just looked at the house. So in the 50s, vinyl siding was not used at all? This is, that never can be considered historic or, or appropriate? I think, is that a new phenomenon? And the same thing would be with aluminum as well? Um, I'm personally not really uh, up on when vinyl siding started. I think it's more that we look at this house and it, it, it's pretty apparent that it has its original siding. And so with that in mind, we want to keep that original siding. Now, if it was deteriorated so that it could be covered or replaced, then that's when we would have looked at some kind of an aluminum siding or something that might have been appropriate at the time of the construction of the house. But it's because the fact that the siding itself wasn't deteriorated, we didn't want to hurt it further by covering it with something that would deteriorate that historic siding. So if it had been at a greater state of deterioration, you could have foreseen a circumstances where vinyl could have been used. Is, am I understanding that correctly? I can see a circumstance where a replacement siding could have been used. Whether or not it's vinyl or aluminum, I think it would still tend more towards aluminum than vinyl. Because I think with the limited knowledge I have on vinyl and aluminum siding, I think that aluminum was potentially more appropriate during the 50s than vinyl. And um, we also would tend to not approve um, the fake wood grain texture, and most vinyl siding tends to be that. I know that it's possible to get vinyl siding that's smooth, um, but it's uh, much more expensive and much more difficult to get it. So in this case, I think that it would have been um, uh, an aluminum siding that would have been approved over vinyl, but I, I didn't review that because of the fact that it wasn't deteriorated. It was something that we discussed in the phone conversations with both the owner and the siding salesperson as possibilities, but no approval was given and never is given over the phone. And in deciding whether something is appropriate or not, are you solely limited by what the Department of Interior guidelines are, or how much discretion do you have? You talked about the case-by-case -case standard. Mm -hmm. um, is that the sole definition in terms of the Department of the Interior guidelines in terms of what's appropriate and what's not? We definitely look at them, and it's, it's when they are not clear on something where we do further research. Because of the fact that mid-century <coughs> modern is something that's just starting to become a national register, a listing eligible, and really um, considered historic. 
it's something that we would do research on. And so we do a lot of research on every property, even when the guidelines and the Secretary of the Interiors are clear on things. We do research just to make sure that we get things right. Because we, when we're talking about built structures that could last for hundreds of years, we don't want to make mistakes. So we would do research for that. I'd like to just add one point. One of the major tenets of preservation um, is that um, one repairs rather than replaces. So uh, repair of original materials is always the preferred method. Um, and you'll see that in the guidelines, uh, the Secretary of Interiors, as well as our own. Um, something has to be very, very deteriorated, in some cases irreparable, before we would allow some kind of replacement. I have a feeling we're uh, pretty much at the 30-minute mark. Uh, but I'd like to ask uh, one more question, please, uh, uh, which uh, this is going to go over territory already trod. But I'm reading the text of the denial of, of a certificate of appropriateness, uh, the part that begins, the exception exists for non-historic non properties in historic districts where the structure may be evaluated on a case-by-case -case basis. You see where I am in, in the text? Mm -hmm. Okay, and then I'm going to yes. skip the next few lines. But uh, And then it says, as you've noted, uh, at the time of the original survey, the property was classified as non-historic because it wasn't 50 years old and so on. But then the text says, now the house would be considered non-contributing to the district, but would be considered historic. Mm -hmm because it's more than 50 years old. And this is all part of uh, the, uh, the, this is part of the rationale for denying the exception, right? So now the, the house would be considered non-contributing to the district, but would be considered historic because it's more than 50 years old. And then as, as a representative of mid-century modern homes, the property is intact and worthy of preservation. The existing material should be maintained. So. <clears throat> I'm having trouble following that rationale. Mm -hmm. I don't know if the rest of you are, and, and we need to hear from the other folks before we uh, sure. you know, say anything explicit about this, but I'm not sure how we get from the exception exists for non-historic properties, and then we get to now the house would be considered non-contributing, but would be considered historic. So sure. just kind of leave it there. Yeah. Well, and I'd like to point out that the actual reason for the done, we discussed the historic and non-historic in the denial because it is, exists as a fact and something that we discussed for the property. But the actual reason for the denial is the line that follows that, that says, as a representative of mid-century modern homes, the property is intact and worthy of preservation. That is the key line that's really the reason why the exception was denied. It is showing that whether it's historic or not, we use the non-historic exception. And it was found that as a representative of mid-century modern homes, it fits the definition and all the characteristics of a ranch home. 
And because it is intact, it's worthy of preservation, and therefore the application is denied. So it's it's really the, actually that key line after that that is the 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 real crux of the reason why the application is denied and what fits the exception. The rest is included because it was discussed so much at length during the the review and here and every everywhere else. But whether or not it's historic, it's this fact <coughs> that is the reason for the denial. Okay. Ask a Thank you. Question about preservation. Sorry. Can I ask her a quick question about preservation? Yeah. So when you say intact and worthy of preservation, you're referring, as you mentioned earlier, to the materials, not necessarily the building itself and staying in that on that lot, but preserving the materials, the original materials, as you've said, seem to be in, in good conditions. Is that, That's what you're referring to when you say preservation. Yeah, I would think actually both. I mean, we wouldn't want to take it down and remove it either, but yeah, preserving the materials, therefore not covering it with siding that could lead to rot and the destruction of the historic materials. Thank you or original materials, if you'd rather. Okay, thank you. I think we should probably shift to the applicant for the uh, an exception, the owner of the property. Yeah, hi, good evening. Well, good evening. Please state your name and we'll go from there. Happily. I'm Bill Leopold from 13515 253rd Avenue, Spirit Lake, Iowa. I bring you greetings from the land of ice and snow. <laughs> 12 inches Saturday, and we oh have another gosh. six or seven coming today and tomorrow. Agony. Uh, I heard a lot of could, may, it might rot. We'd like to keep it original. Uh, I was happy to hear at this hearing that uh, aluminum is considered an appropriate covering. Aluminum siding was invented or used since 1948, so it would be quite appropriate to put on this building. Now Jessica's narrative was very good, but she did miss one step, and I'll let my son explain that. Um, you also heard that this house may contain lead paint. Now, I, in thinking of covering this with aluminum, that paint would be contained. It would be better for the environment. It would keep the house looking historically correct. Plus, it would limit the amount of upkeep that the house would need. I'll admit that's part of my idea for doing this. Uh, we were fully uh, going to have it painted by painters. My son will explain that. We have checked into uh, getting someone who might scrape the paint legally, but we still feel that the aluminum siding would keep this in its historic context. Now at the hearing, the only uh, thing that was said about the aluminum siding was A, it would still need upkeep, and B, it might get wasps behind it. I didn't quite feel that the board 
really considered that? And earlier when we called, we talked to Mr. Nicklay, is that the Nicola. name? Nicklay? About coming before the board, and we were told, well, that probably wouldn't do any good. So it, it was almost like there was a prior day on this, that the decision was already made. Questions were not fully asked or explanations asked for. I still think aluminum siding would be good for this. It would keep it in its historic context. Jared? Hello. Good evening, Jared. Would you please say, state your name, please? Absolutely. My name is Jared Leopold. I'm the current resident at 318 North Gilbert Street. Um, so I want to go back to how this whole process started and actually why we're even here, probably. So going, well, maybe even further back. So we looked at getting the house painted, contacted two or three painters to ask them, hey, what's the, what can we do, what are we looking at? Well, we're not going to really touch it because it's got, probably it's got lead paint. So you need to contact this person. Even folks that normally do lead paint, they didn't want to touch it. Not quite sure why. I don't know if it was a money thing or the project was too small. Um, we've, in fact, since contacted someone that could do it for the lead, and they actually recommended not to do it. Um, but that's neither here nor there. So then the next part, uh, talked to my folks, like, well, let's take a look at maybe siding on it then instead. Met with a salesperson from Acre, and we just talked about two different things. We're looking at mason and also possibly vinyl on there. Um, leave the brick exposed, and actually the shutter windows would stay the same. They just do a build out on it. So how we got here in the first place is that uh, I played phone tag with Jessica back and forth. Um, and then finally she left a message one day stating that the home would be okay to have siding on it and I didn't need to worry about anything. So that's the message I got. Felt my due diligence was already done. Got the approval by phone. And so I went ahead and spoke to the sales agent and got the siding set up to get done. Alright. I've got uh, after that, that was my part into it. And then the rest of it was taken by here. Okay. All right, I'm up. Could you um, state your name, please? <laughs> I'm Julia Leopold, also of Spirit Lake. And um, thank you so much for allowing us to come today. I know you all have busy schedules, and we appreciate this opportunity to talk to you. And first thing I'd like to do, I think, is to ask how many of you did you read the minutes from the November 9th meeting? I did. It was in the packet. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, I, I appreciate they were long <laughs> and arduous as much as the speeches that have been done today. Um, but this is what I have to say, I guess. Um, as you heard Jared say, he contacted different painters to paint the house with no success. Jessica sent me a list of painters as true, but I got a little discouraged 
One address was a, where a felony arrest had taken place, so I was really a little reluctant to engage that person. Um, another company is retired and I think no longer painting. One was from Anamosa, one was from Tipton. Um, another one, I was reading their website and they sounded really good. They said, oh, the first thing we do is power wash that house. Oh, the handbook says you cannot do that. So I tried to pursue quite a few of those names that she gave me. But it didn't seem like the thing to do. And at that point, I said, well, let's put siding on this house. Again, trying to uh, relieve the painting issue for a long-term solution. Now, it's been my assumption that as an employee of City Hall, in city government, Jessica Bristow, you have hired as your preservation planner, your expert. Uh, she has several degrees in art and architecture and so forth. And, you know, it would seem obvious I took her at her word. You know, Jared took her at her word when he was told Go ahead, you can do anything. And he proceeded to order siding. Um, you know, she, she represents you as a historical commission. And my goodness, I ha have all of you read the 107 plus page handbook. <laughs> you know, it, it is pretty confusing. It's contradictory. You can go to one page, it says one thing, and on the next one it says something else. It truly does, it, it's very confusing. Um, but the historical district that our home is in, as Jessica said, covers 1850 to 1930. And so those guidelines that are set out for that say paint, well of course it says paint. Paint was the only option for many, many years. But as my husband pointed out, aluminum siding was in use by that time. And we are certainly not changing the structure. I love that it's a mid-50s modern house that Jess had described. It's wonderful. And trust me, it's wonderful inside too. But the commission only deals with the exterior, the outside. So in 3.2 of the handbook, it specifically states that new technology, materials, and practices which contribute to the preservation of a building, in this case, this home, would be appropriate. Now, you've, you've heard what we've said and kind of getting down to the crux of it. In the affidavit from the city attorney, it says that the only means that we have is to prove that Jessica's actions were arbitrary 
and capricious. Ladies and gentlemen, I believe they were. Capricious also says in their handout given, I can find it, <laughs> um, that protocol will be done for you lawyers that are here. It says in judges of the world, if they didn't follow correct procedure, they can be charged with arbitrary and capricious. And that's what Jessica did. She told Jared he could put on siding. Then she told myself and our siding representative, sure, you can put aluminum siding on if it meets these guidelines. If it fits the same profile of wood that is on there, if it has no wood grain, I find that kind of ironic. <laughs> wood is original, but we mustn't make it, let it look like wood. Don't cover up the stonework. I wouldn't dream of covering up that stonework. It's wonderful. And so, our uh, acre company representative hunted around and they found an aluminum siding that would be appropriate and in keeping with 1950s style aluminum siding. So my point in is Jessica did not do research. It took her till September 26th or 7th that she told you. Finally then, after she had already told Jared, do anything, after the 1st of September, she told myself and my representative, <coughs> this aluminum is fine if it meets criteria. It was only after that that she actually went the less than four blocks north of here to physically look at that house. And she stated the same in her testimony, September 26th and 27th. Now, I think that's a little bit erratic behavior for someone who is a professional in her field. She is the expert. So I think I'll leave it at that. All right, thank you. Any questions? Uh, maybe. Is there anybody else in your group that wants to speak? Uh, Nicholas Acre. I'm a U of I grad. I own a few homes here, but I've come out of Illinois. Uh, I just like to help this board. Um, I come from a town, Rock Island, Illinois. We have a historic district um, with beautiful homes, the 1800s mansions that. Uh, you know, we're from railroad people or John Deere people uh, that have a lot of historic significance. The time period, I, I looked through the Iowa City winters. Uh, those homes have a lot of, the, the winters have a lot of historic significance. This home, uh, I, I'm pretty sure most of everybody here agrees that nobody's coming off the highway to view this home. You know, this isn't uh, a home that's, the Iowa City has some homes, but this isn't one of them. So on the subject of conforming and non-conforming, I talked to my local, um, you know, as, as this is kind of, uh, you know, 
not a, a friendly relationship. Uh, I talked to just my local uh, person, Rock Island, who lives in that district, who's sat on the board for 30 years, and I said, what is the difference between a contributing structure and a non-contributing structure? This home is considered a non-contributing structure. She said, okay, if it's non-contributing, you have a lot more leeway in interpreting the rules. Okay, i.e., if even on in her home, which is an immaculate mansion, if she decided to build a garage in the back, uh, that would be a non-contributing structure. She could put. She said she would put vinyl siding on that structure, but on her home, you know, from the 1800s, no, absolutely not. So this home, uh, the paint is. Uh, unfortunately, they let it go too far. Once wood gets water in it, uh, you're not going to take the boards off, put, get them back in a, a kiln, and get that all that water out. You're going to end up painting it, and it's going to pop. I watched it in Rock Island. I've been in the siding industry for 30 years. Um, even the beautiful homes that are in that time period have siding on them right now because the historic commission said no you need to paint them and people walked away from them and they sat they sat in condemned state until they finally decided you know what maybe we're causing too much cost uh, for what we're uh, trying to accomplish, and that is we're trying to preserve this neighborhood. And so we, they started to focus on the details, you know, the big corbels or the, the architectural window treatments and, and things like that, and not the siding. And what she said to me, and I, I sent her this picture of this house, and she said, uh, architecturally speaking, she would like to see uh, the same profile, even a, a seven or an eight inch, that's an eight inch, seven or an eight inch. She said, from the street, you can't tell the difference between aluminum and vinyl. I mean, there is some stigma, uh, i.e. since I've been doing this for 30 years. The vinyl siding 30 years ago, uh, my dad wouldn't even let me put it on, wouldn't let us do it. Uh, but today's vinyl siding, you can't, uh, from a street, you can't tell the difference. It doesn't have a high gloss finish. It doesn't have, uh, it looks more like painted wood than anything. The other nice thing about it is because this for sure has lead-based paint on it, uh, and, and I've, re I've taken siding off of houses that we did 30 years ago, you can still literally see the pencil marks where guys wrote down uh, 110 inches. The pencil lead will still be there. So it really does do a great job of encasing this uh, and preserving it without uh, a lot of cost and a lot of danger in uh, lead-based paint uh, remediation because uh, the Acre Company is a lead-based paint certified uh, contractor and those costs are fairly significant if you want to try to remove lead-based paint and, and deal with it because nobody wants to see that in children's mouths. Uh, and it, it's something that can get, get caught in the air and blow. And literally looking at this structure, literally the neighbor has vinyl siding on our house. I mean literally right next door. So to say that this one is somehow historically significant, uh, I would say the things that I would look for is the same things that uh, my acquaintance in Rock Island look for and say, hey, let's not change it from a wide lap siding to a low lap siding. I could see them requesting that. I could see them requesting, hey, let's not 
remove the stone, I could see them saying, let's not alter the window size, let's not cut in a giant window or something like that. But nothing that we're trying to accomplish here with putting on a, on a wide board siding is going to change the look of that house from the street. Uh, just, and it's going to be in lead-based <coughs> safe practices, and it should give these folks a, a good value uh, moving forward. Do you have any other questions on the difference between conforming and non-conforming now? Uh, and no thanks. Uh, yeah, I think you meant uh, non-contributing. Non-contributing, yeah. right? Contributing no thanks. I I say one more thing. I ran out of steam. <laughs> If, excuse me, if Jessica's actions were arbitrary and capricious, which is what this whole hearing is about, as I understand it, she made the arbitrary decision that Jerry could do anything he wanted to, and so he ordered siding. Then she told me, and I was happy to oblige the things that she wanted and comply with her wishes. So I'm trying to meet her halfway about the aluminum siding. So that's two times she had opinions. And then much to my shock, when she sent her staff proposal, it said, oh, this is a historical house. It's 50 years old and will only recommend paint. Well, isn't paint a little arbitrary, too? Like I said, that was all that was available before 1930, 40. That's what they used. But she made three different decisions. Now, you are all professionals. Do you get three tries to get the answer when you are working with people, clients, patients? Do you get three tries? Can you say this and that and then, oh, by the way, that sounds pretty arbitrary and capricious to me. Thank you. Thank you. I'd like to ask one quick question. Um, was the original, was the house originally built with aluminum siding on it? No, it was not. Okay, thank you. It, yeah. uh, uh, are, are there other questions for the, um, for the family? You've owned it for how long? How many years? 20 years. And, and you had painted it during yes, that time yes, a few times? Yes, it's been painted. Okay, thank you. Okay, uh, I, I think, uh, though I did not say this at the outset, it seems to me it would be a fair to offer each side, like, I don't know, three minutes rebuttal. Is that a reasonable thing to do? Uh, would uh, yeah, and, and before it generally speaks, I'd just like to note that it's we're not assessing whether a staff member uh, acted arbitrarily or capriciously. The question is whether the commission's decision was arbitrary or commission or uh, capricious. The commission's decision, generally. That took care of one of my points for my three minutes. Yes, it's it's a commission. I 
hope that my run through of our decision making process showed that we were not capricious or arbitrary. Um, the, the denial of certificate of appropriateness, um, the first paragraph that's in Dennett says the, it's not, the application was not approved due to the following reason, it's not deteriorated beyond repair. We looked that, at that and found that was true. That is always one of the first qualifications. Um, I own a Victorian, two stories, had lead paint on it, found a painter who took the lead paint off about 10 years ago. He has won several awards for uh, painting Victorians. It happens, they do it. It doesn't seem to be a problem for the painting profession in this town or outlying towns. I have to, even though Jessica is not being judged here as capricious or arbitrary, I cannot, um, I, I cannot listen to her being impugned in this way. I have known her for a couple of years, have seen her as extremely thorough, extremely attentive, and uh, considerate, works extremely hard to inform herself of every possible detail and explain things in extremely careful ways to the applicants and work with them so that we can find the best solution. She knows regulations extremely well and I have nothing but been impressed. I will say she is extremely busy because this is a, a city that has a lot of historic districts and conservation districts and we value those and so she is the, the gatekeeper as the things come to the commission. I don't think I have anything else to say, but uh, this, uh, Mr. the Acre man, his view and the Rock Island view of uh, siding differs considerably with all that we have learned about siding on historic houses. Jessica, I was wondering whether you could comment about the adjacent, I mean, to the extent it's relevant, the adjacent property that had aluminum siding, was that because it was put on before it became historic in that area, or? Sure. Um, I do remember looking that up when this came up. I haven't looked at it recently, but um, I believe I did find that it had vinyl or aluminum siding on it prior to the uh, the district, so that's why that's on there. My comments were a lack of desire to maintain your property is not a reason to approve applying vinyl or aluminum siding. Um, I do uh, tend to be a scribbler, so I keep handwritten notes of every phone conversation conversation I ever have. It's in a pile. And prior to this appeal, I went through and I have no record of any contact with them prior to September 26th. And I do have a note that the rental inspector came to me in mid-September. I don't have a record of a phone conversation with Jared, so I don't have any knowledge of that happening. I would never give verbal, non-written approval for anything that required approval. Uh, painting does not require approval. So I would give verbal approval for painting. Um, That's the three minutes. OK. Yeah. Thank you, Jessica. Thank you, Genoa. Uh, how about the, the family? Uh, three minutes, please, if, if you want to say anything else. I believe we said... Please come up if you're going to speak. I believe we've laid out a compelling case here. Uh, judge it on its merits. Like my wife, I would also like to thank you for your time. Uh, I read up on you, and this is a very august group. 
I mean, most of the town councils I go to, somebody missed an American Legion meeting and found himself on a town council. <laughs> but you, uh, you're pretty special. Thank you for your time. Thanks so much. All right, so we have a choice here about whether to close the public hearing right now and then have a motion or not close the public hearing, but how can we determine whether whether it's timely to close the public hearing or whether we want to continue the what public hearing. do you hearing. feel like you need more information? Yeah, okay. Does anybody feel like you need more information in order to make a decision? I do not. So, no. All right. I just, Mayor, I just wanted to, to point out before you, because of your earlier question about the issue of non-historic and historic. Could you use your mic, please, owner? If you look at page... Um, Three of the guidelines um, under the heading non-contributing and non-historic properties you'll see a definition of non-historic in that first paragraph and then you will also see the process for reclassifying properties okay thank you I'm going to close the public hearing all right could I have a motion to let me get the language right to uh, Um, where'd it go? A motion to affirm the decision of the Historic Preservation Commission. So I don't, I don't know how the vote will go, but I, I'd like to have that motion come before us. So moved. Moved by Botchway. Second. Second by Cole. All right, discussion. So uh, as we do this, I want to recall some points that Eleanor has provided us with. Uh, and if I miss something really crucial, Eleanor, please tell me. So first, we are not entitled to substitute our judgment for, the, for that of the commission. We might disagree with parts of it, but we, we're not uh, uh, entitled to substitute our judgment. Rather, if we find that the commission exercised its powers and followed the guidelines established by law, and that its decision was not patently arbitrary or capricious, then we must affirm the commission's decision. If, if we find that it did act arbitrarily or capriciously or did not follow the, the, the rules stipulated in the code and so on, then, then we can do some other things. But the initial question is what I just stated. Yeah. That's accurate, and I think you need to focus on those two two pieces of that standard. One is, were the guidelines followed? And two, um, was there any arbitrary or capricious um, decision-making? Right. So do, You've been yeah, provided with right. the guidelines. You need to look at those guidelines and determine that those were followed. Yeah, well, let's uh, do them one Not by followed. one. Then. Let's do them one by one about whether the first, whether the commission exercised its powers and followed the guidelines established by the historic preservation provisions of the city code. It would seem to me that they that the commission did, um, you know, focusing simply on those narrow things that we can focus on. Um, they have discretion 
uh, on a case-by-case -case basis to look at these properties mm -hmm. um, and make that determination since it is technically uh, non-historic because it hasn't been reevaluated and is non-contributing. Um, an exception could be made. It doesn't mean it has to be made or will be made. It's evaluated on a case-by-case -case basis. When I read um, the minutes of the Historic Preservation Commission meeting and look at the guidelines and um, either as Jenna Lee or Jessica said, you know, kind of the, the crucial thing that it came down to for them um, was that, that one sentence that, you know, as a representative of mid-century modern homes, the property is intact and worthy of preservation. Uh, the existing material should be maintained. It's, it's, there's not a lot of rot. There's not, it's not like you have a lot of siding that has to be removed and then replaced either with other pieces of wood or some other type of siding. It's more um, maintenance of the siding that is there. So to me, they went through, they evaluated it, they reached a decision based on um, a train of facts and logic which other people may or may not agree with, but it is what they did, I think, in a very logical, thoughtful way. So I, I think they followed the guidelines. I, I think I'd say as well that Jessica clearly articulated the steps that she followed in preparing the information provided to the commission. And the commission was quite clear uh, about the process it went through in coming to the decision it's made. it made. Uh, including uh, agreeing to consider whether to provide an exception for this particular property. Uh, it's not clear to me they really had to do that, but they considered it, and that's uh, worth noting. Anybody, anybody else have any views about this particular point that we have to determine? Well, I, I would agree with, with the uh, comments that have been made. I think in terms of the, the commission's actions were consistent uh, with the guidelines. You know, they did exercise their power and follow the guidelines uh, and did not act either arbitrarily or capriciously. Oh, so let's consider that part. Oh, that's the second. Yeah. Um, you know, it, there was clearly some misunderstanding prior to the commission hearings with respect to reaching a mutual understanding, uh, and that's that's regrettable. Um, but in terms of the commission's actions, I, I, I think they were uh, following the guidelines that were established. I would agree, John. Anybody else want to add anything to that? I agree with comments made. I agree. All right, so let's turn to the second point that we have to determine and that is whether the commission's action was patently arbitrary or capricious. And a decision is arbitrary or capricious when it is made without regard to the law or the facts of the case. I, I think it's pretty clear that the uh, commission attended to the law. So, but I, the rest of you might disagree. So the, if you agree, then would you, would you say that the decision might have been arbitrary or capricious with regard to the facts of the case? No, I don't. Yeah, I, I, don't, I don't see any, any error there. In fact, what, what, seemed, what I did find interesting, and it was sort of reading through the material, that 
as we've discussed, the uh, the building did pass the 50-year threshold, which when I was first reading the, the standards, I thought, oh, well, that, that not that the end of the story? Um, but it, what, what seems to have happened is the, the staff and the commission actually looked at this to a higher standard and, and looking at the house to make sure that it did meet the criteria for preservation um, with respect to a mid-century house uh, in making their decision. So there was that added layer to the evaluation um, before ma they made their decision as to how to then proceed with the siting. Anybody else have a view about this point? I would agree. I mean, I'm not going to, I don't want to discuss too much into this, but you know, again, I appreciate you providing a kind of reminding us of our singular focus on this particular issue. I mean, obviously there's some questions I have, but does it, is it germane to the commission and the guidelines or whether or not they're arbitrary or capricious? No. So I think that the commission acted as they, as they should. Anyone else? Uh, Go ahead, Mazi. Maz? I guess uh, I would like just to say a few things about this. You know, as a new council member, I admit that this is whole area of historic preservation is very new to me. Uh, I am learning about it as fast as I can. Uh, I hope you will be patient with me on those kind of decisions. But I would like to thank the city attorney for the memo that explained what the council is being called on the, uh, you know, decide and what is standard of the review. We must use incoming to decision. I have read her memo carefully, and I have read the other material in the package for our meeting this, you know, for this afternoon. I also appreciate the work that the Historic Preservation Commission and the staff have devoted to consider, the, you know, the decision about this. For now, I just gonna go with the decision of the, you know, the Historic Preservation. Committed it and because I really I think that's the right thing to do right now Any further discussion? I guess I would just like to briefly address the Leopolds directly. I, I think that you all presented um, a rational, thoughtful discussion um, on why you feel that uh, aluminum or vinyl siding would be appropriate. And I think you presented some very compelling arguments. Um, however, um, you know, we go back to the standard. I think it'd be a closer call if we were called in the first instance to sort of make this determination. Um, I think this is a situation where two reasonable minds, I mean, we heard two presentations, two thoughtful descriptions of, you know, trying to apply in the standard. And I think two parties acting in total good faith. And so given the fact that we have the standard uh, in terms of what we're called upon to review, I don't think that the commission acted in a patently and you know, irrational way in terms of doing what they did. So I do think I'm going to, I'm leaning towards the upholding the commission's vote, but that doesn't mean that you didn't present a very compelling case. Um, but I just think in terms of what we're called to do, it's just not sufficient. I agree with Rockney, and, and I applaud you for, for wanting to maintain this home and the historic uh, value of that, uh, that uh, style from the 50s. Um, 
not having the handbook in front of me and knowing, I think you'd mentioned, Miss Leopold, it's like 100-something pages long, very long, although you did mention one part of it that maybe Jessica or, or uh, Jen Lee could explain. Uh, you said 3.2 new technology that contributes to the preservation would be appropriate. But that's just like one small portion of it. The commission looked at all the factors in the handbook that, that would uh, qualify uh, this home for siding versus not siding. Is that correct? She's, she's nodding yes. Yeah, she's yeah. nodding yes. Okay. So I, I believe the commission did follow uh, what they were uh, directed to do as far as the guidelines. Okay. We have a motion on the floor. Any further discussion? Hearing none, roll call, please. Archway. And yes. this is to affirm the decision of the commission. Cole. Yes. Mims. Yes. Sully. Yes. Taylor. Yes. Thomas. Yes. Brett Martin. Yes. Motion carries seven to zero. Uh, let's see. Item three. Is, could I have a motion to adjourn, please? Move. Second. Moved by Soy, seconded by Botchway. All in favor say aye. 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 Opposed? Motion carries.